0: Hello, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 23 of The Dive. I am Kobe, joined by Azale and Mark Z today. Special Monday episode. Congratulations to us.
1: Special edition.
0: I love working on Mondays. (laughs) (laughs) It's special. Yeah, I mean, so we are not going to have a patch section. I think that's the only thing that's going to change, though. Everything else is going to be the same. And we're heading towards the end of summer here, so we should start our discussion surrounding MVPs, all-team Pro first LCS. How <laughs> are you, word those? First, want, I was like, do you want me to just do all of them and just word vomit for like 10 minutes? or we... Spit them out, Mark. Yeah, which one do you want first? What you got? I want your third team uh, jungler. <laughs> now, uh, Wiggly. Okay. Okay. That's, I, that's, that's, yeah, yeah, all right. right. Oh, yeah, all right
2: I, I want your second team support. Uh, Wait, this is hard.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> smoothie I could see smoothie or like biofrost or something maybe in there yeah, yeah.
0: That was well, that's a good for, okay let's actually start with the MVPs yeah, okay. though because <laughs> yeah, this is yeah, troll. troll
1: yeah, yeah. uh, MVP candidates uh, I mean you guys you guys had something on the, on the desk and we can kind of start there I think that uh, you guys were going over some of the MVP candidates as I, I believe you had Svenskeren, um Bjergsen, you had, I want to say, like, Doublelift and JJ, maybe. Yeah, and then I think we, those were, like, the four we had. Those were four, and then was there a fifth that was
2: discussed? No, we talked about why CLG might not have one, um, despite being one of the team best play. teams. Yeah. yeah, they don't really have, like, that one standout guy. Uh, which is kind of true for Team Liquid 2, but they're also in first place pretty handily. So I, I don't know. Yeah. But those are, those are the initial names we threw out like
1: a week or two ago. So, yeah, that was a week or two ago. Do you think anything has changed first off, or is that kind of the, the candidate list that you guys are actually looking at still? I think the Dark Horse of Medios
2: has dropped off. There was like a brief period of time when they were in first. It was like Crown or Medios might get some mm-hmm. votes, but now that they're kind of slumping, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one in six in their last. Yeah. So
0: it dep- also depends on your criteria, because. Um, a lot of criteria doesn't center around, you know, having to be one of the top teams, right? If you're like, oh, well, it's the most important player to this team that's struggling and he's just so much better than everyone else. And I think even in their losses, like the individual play from maybe Crown, um, I think a little bit less for Medios now after the last weekend, but still, you know, could you could kind of float it given that different criteria maybe mm-hmm. for Optic.
1: Yeah, maybe I, I mean I think it's a pretty hard argument for me. I just don't think they're doing well enough in the last weeks and and, and that includes to me Crown. Uh you know like even just thinking about some of their losses this weekend, yeah, it was like forward. him getting caught and mm-hmm. him, you know, he he was doing well individually and laning well, uh but you know for MVP is like such a prestigious award that you have to be like incredible to, yeah. to really be considered um, and, and I don't really have anyone outside of the, those like immediate four kind of like off, off the top of my head
2: yeah I mean I, I like the idea of entertaining these other kind of criteria beyond just like the best player on the best team because you just yeah, like yeah. it's lift again or whatever it's Bjergsen again I like when you have to be like well yeah for what his team asked him to do, he did more and he had less stuff around him. So it was more impressive that they got first place with a worse roster. You know, like I think I, I like those kinds of, of arguments, but last split we had the top three teams. It feels like this split was is probably trending that way again. So it'll probably be
0: someone from one of TLC. Let me throw out some more then, because I really like these okay. angles. I okay. wanted to be to spice right. it up a little right. bit. Uh I'm gonna throw out Froggen and Viper. Now Viper is on one of the lowest ranked teams, almost last place here for FlyQuest. But every time he gets riven, they lost I got riven Heart Eyes. <laughs> you, know, you, got hard eyes. You, you see that you see the Pro View replay where uh, he's actually so quick with the animation canceling, and I'm just like, oh it's not, you know, that's not an MVP award-winning thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, but I, those are the, the types. The Kobe Heart Eyes Award. <laughs> that's the that's the Kobe Heart Eyes Award. <laughs> Uh, uh, but Froggen, it. maybe Froggen. He the problem is, you know, he has had some games where, uh, maybe, was the LeBlanc one this split? You know, like there's some where he is set in a in a you know position to probably like hard carry Golden Guardians, and, and kind of be the one that we're talking about. That's like mm-hmm. oh, way better than the rest of the team, and like kind of drag them across. Um, but they didn't quite do it. So he, he he's didn't. maybe one that's kind of close to that, but doesn't. He didn't have a, I don't think the LeBlanc one, but he had Might the Aurelio bet. one. That, yeah.
2: He had the Aurelio oh, one where he went to and just got super slammed. and he, He's had a couple games where he's either gotten slammed like that or had just been like a non-factor. I feel like the MVP yeah. should be the guy who's like almost always winning a scene of the game, like you're saying, but also doesn't have these kinds of like super low moments, which for me, I would probably vote for Sven right now. He does get subbed out of a lot of his games, so it feels a little bad to vote for a guy who played like, Mm-hmm. probably going to be 14 games this season or something but
0: every time he's in he is so good and <laughs> I, when they sub him back in and uh, you get the candid response from Reaper where Avili's like uh, so why is Spence Svenskeren coming back in and usually there's this like ah oh, you know we're testing something else Different champion with worked with uh, Golden Blue yeah. really well and he's like you, you could tell he was like going to think of some other answer and he was just like we wanna win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Yeah, we like, need to thanks, win. Me, <laughs> like Sven's back in and we need to win. In
2: that gave versus TSM both a Blaze Olive and-, and Golden Glue who are on the desk were like, Oh, this game's boom. This game's super boom. And then like every time Sven just kept finding engages, they just kept gushing about yeah. him. So it's like when you have the other pro players all just like, I wanna play with Sven. You know, like yeah. you get that effect where everyone wants him to be their jungler, it's like Okay, that guy might
0: be MVP. Yeah, and jungle is the role that's most polarizing, right? There's so much variance in jungle because mm-hmm. there's constant decision-making, all these different points, at the especially early on in the game, where it, it becomes a completely different game based on just the individual choices of both junglers. So for him to have the consistency for this split, I think is actually crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's been definitely outstanding. Uh, I, I do think... It's like he's he's maybe the favorite right now. Mm-hmm. Um I think a lot of people have been talking about him and and I always think when there's multiple MVP candidates from one team, they're gonna kind of, you know, cannibalize their their votes, mm-hmm. right? So if if some people are voting for double, if some people are voting for Core JJ you know, they're kind of pulling votes away from each other. Uh, and that does put Sunscreen in a pretty good position. Um Bjergsen has also been excellent, but TSM, I don't think has looked as good, and and maybe maybe this is going to be something that is changing. You know, in the in the last couple of weeks, and they'll really pick it up. But when I think back to the end of spring, and you know, in their run where they were like nine and one at the end of the split, like I felt like TSM looked so much better, and I think that you know Bjergsen individually has still been really good, but things have not come together for the team. Um, and, and and whether you want to like put that on him or the whole team as a whole or coaching staff or whatever, it's, it's hard to know. But there are some of these games where he's in a good position and, and they aren't able to close, right? Like even just looking at the the other side of the C9 TSM game, you know, the whole team was in a good position and they couldn't close. And and at the end of the day, like if you're going to hold, you know, a, a Froggen or or whoever, someone like that responsible for not being able to carry that game, then you have to you know, look at Bjergsen a little bit and say, well, maybe you should have been able to carry that game when you're four dragons up and 7K ahead and all this sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, guess the MVP votes not terribly changed from the last check-in, but uh, we'll keep our eyes open for the next couple of weeks. Next one I wanted to go to is one that Mark is super excited about, <laughs> the rookie of the split, which usually... Because we have so few rookies, um, there's not a lot of discussion. But uh, Mark, it I'm excited has about it. Just because
2: Kobe likes to argue about things and I like to argue about things, <laughs> and I know this is going to start an argument. <laughs> Let's so, get it. So, Kumo versus Fake God. Those are basically the two rookies people are looking at right now. Uh, yeah. Technically, Scarlet's in there as well, I believe. Uh, there might be one other, but those are the main two ones. Um, and the argument that I'd make is. I think Fake God's actually more deserving of it for helping the turnaround and all this stuff with a team that's struggling. And he, I'm not saying he's the cause of the turnaround. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's much more on Ryu coming in and amazing as well, but they win a lot with him. They're, they're a legitimate positive winner rate team, making a push for playoffs with him in there when they were a tenth place team before. And I'm not putting all of it on him again. But Kumo comes into C9, and every time a rookie comes into C9, the whole team shifts their play style to accommodate that person, and and they just play around him like crazy. It happened with Blabber, happened when Licorice came in, didn't really happen with Zazel, but he's a support. And now nah. again, they did it with contracts way back when Contracts was playing. They tried to do it with Ray when that guy when he would sub in. And, like, they they bend over backwards to make their rookies feel at home rather than being like, hey, you should... And I think that's admirable, right? That's... I think it's the right way to do it. I'm not criticizing yeah. it. I'm just saying, like, that makes the players look a lot better than, like, Fake God comes in. It's like, you're not getting any resources. We're going to make sure Bang plays well. And, like, you know, like, so that's that's why I'm like, you know what? Fake God probably doesn't get enough credit. And Kumo played three js games. They weren't all great. He got a ton of resources <laughs> in all of them and sometimes came out, like, completely flat in them. And then he had a great Aatrox <laughs> game. I'll give him the great Aatrox. <laughs> he got slammed with attention. They picked three losing lanes. He got he, and then he came back and So played you it.
0: are a true believer in the lose lane win game. Sign me up. I want that weak side <laughs> player who's like, "Don't worry about me, guys." That Bang doing <laughs> I want him. Uh it's definitely an interesting argument. Um, and it's super easy to point at Kumo and be like, but what about these moments where he plays super well? Yeah. Like there are so many moments where they do stick in my mind of uh the first uh Jace game that he had and then the last Aatrox game. Um, yes, the the middle one definitely a lot of improvements could be made in a couple of those games, but um, there are some big moments where like he plays really well mechanically, and then um, you're like, oh my god, that's so crazy coming from this rookie, and it's an individual thing, right? Yes, the team um, you know, did try and get him gold early on, but in that moment, it is just the individual performing. And then I think about uh fake god games, and I have a trouble. Having like recalling one of those moments, like picturing, you know, that (laughs) whatever play, fake God. Um, I don't, you don't remember those. I don't know, um, yeah, if that's maybe a personal problem for me, but I I can't like picture one of those those big moments. Um, the biggest moments that I think of when I think of fake God are his tweets, (laughs) which are hilarious. Is that how I factor in? (laughs) Have started multiple memes, um, with the. Win lane, lose game, and yeah. the opposite as well, and tilting broken blade. Yeah. I think I think he's a great contributor to the league, <laughs> a huge entertainment value. Um, but and yes, you know Kumo uh, only got these lane bully picks, right? Or uh, got multiple Jace picks. And Nisky even talked about it a little bit in the interview. He was like, "Yeah, he's great when he gets his champion." Mm-hmm. So like, they're doing a lot of things to try and make him shine. But those things, I think, have worked. So I mean, I mean I
1: think it's it's been a bit of a mixed bag with Kumo, right? Because they they haven't won every game. Two with and them. two, I two think. and two, I believe with Kumo. So you know it like it's two and two on on a team that is for sure better than hundred thieves, right? And and has been. And and Fake God it feels yeah.
0: Like... All right, you gotta look up all the matchups then that you, if you're gonna go over. So these, because... he, he went.
1: He went. He played three Jace games and one Aatrox game. Um, even if you just look specifically at the Echo Fox game. He got an insane amount of help in that game. was was legit camp four nonstop. They're di- chain diving. Oh, solo so you might be three under, and one. I might the be okay. yeah. so yeah, the three one. Sorry, yeah, He's only lost uh, that just one. the Echo Fox game then. But that that one was like pretty egregious to me as far as the amount of help he got in a matchup that like was picked for him. All these dives, and he he's not even winning the one v one. Like he's not even ahead. So like I I do think this, this is not to like dump on Kumo, but. I, I actually am more on, on the Mark side as well where I've been more impressed by god overall just simply because the amount of help he's getting and when you're playing Jace as, as his early game bully and you're still down in farm, uh, you know, in, in most of the games, even in his first two Jace games, on average, he was behind in farm while getting camp four with an early lane bully. Uh, and, and i think that Fake god hasn't had these highlight moments that have stood out in the same way certainly uh you know a lot of people are going to look to the kumo like the 3 Aatrox cues that hit smoothie over the wall that was like super hype that was super highlight worthy and it, and it's a really cool play uh the jace 1v1 against impact where he kills impact even though impact could just flash shock blast instead of not flashing shock he has blast a good and then team being hit by the tower too. like he, he's he's had some really big moments um but i but i do think it, it's impressive to see a player come come out of solo queue and you know like play academy for a little bit and then be in the LCS and actually be holding his own going even cuz i think it's such a different style of game to play especially when you're not getting a lot of jungle help where you have to play like weeks out of the map like understand where the uh. jungles are to like not just be getting slammed i think is is pretty impressive and and I think that, like, I just haven't seen enough games from Kumo to, to be willing to, to say he's he's better when it's been three Jace games where he hasn't even been slamming with tons of help.
0: Yeah, I, I'm hearing arguments for why I should be giving extra considerations to Fake God, but you haven't made the argument of why Fake God is better. You have only made the arguments of why Kumo because is not better.
1: I think the same thing with no help. <laughs> well, I think it's it kind
2: of goes back to the, the MVP thing we were talking about before where it's like, it, are we just giving it to the best rookie that we think in terms of raw skill or the mm-hmm. person who is performing the best. Um and so, you know, when he has a two, six, and eight Jace game where he he just dies in the side lanes over and over, but it's against clutch and the rest of your team's winning, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, the same way that I'd be like, well, fake God didn't get any help, went two, six and eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they went as well. So, you know, it's like I think it, it is more comparable where like you join the 10th place team and are dra- helping drag them up versus you join the f- first, second, third yeah. place team and you and you're maintaining level.
0: This it, it's and this one still is close to me because yeah. now it becomes a are you giving the like you do the dirty job award or like how well do you do with you know being set up well award, right? But I don't
1: think he's doing well with being set up is my point. I think Kumo and Fake God are giving similar levels of performance. One is getting a ton of help. And the other is not. Mm-hmm. Kumo has had a couple flashy moments that I think are sticking in people's heads, and that does I think bias you. But uh, like it just the games that have been shown, three three Jace games where you're getting nonstop camp for and you're and you have a negative CSD is not. That's not like anything to write home about. Uh-huh. Where you know we're just slapping you know got in there on whatever champion he's played a bunch of different stuff, and he has a similar level of performance to me on a worse team without help. I think
0: that's just I, I think more you're impressive. I think you have some rounding errors in your similar level of performances though. So I'm, maybe, try, I mean, I'm trying, trying to pull up, up the games. Where...
1: Even even, <laughs> even like I'm, I'm just talking about like as far as like lane performance. Like their CSD. Humo uh-huh. actually has a worse CSD than, yeah, than I, Fake God. Yeah. Wild, yeah I, I'm looking games. yeah
0: at the actual like in-game performances, but um the statistics I mean of CSD is a very limited of view. I mean, so, so but, here
1: and he's playing three Jace games, so it should be skewed in his favor with Ken Camped. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. What's that's
2: the, true? I think uh, in terms of champions as well. You know, like he's playing Orn, he's playing Kennen, he's yeah. playing e, GP, Irelia, yeah, Aatrox. Yeah. yeah, He's playing more champs. He's playing things that aren't always lane dominant. Uh-huh. Um, but he does have a lot of games. when I'm going through here where he has zero kills. He's like zero four five, zero two one, zero three six, zero zero eight, and you're like.
0: All right, big God. Uh zero, zero, 8 actually sounds pretty good. What yeah. can't that, be? That's his GP. That GP. Just like pew, that's... pew, 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 <laughs> pew.
2: Raise morale. Shoot him across okay, the map. Okay, okay. Uh, so, but I, I, I think... You know he doesn't get help for the most part, uh-huh. uh, which is like whatever. But you still want to see a couple yeah. more kids yeah. probably through. I there. mean,
0: honestly, I'm just trying to argue the other other side for it yeah. right now because you're you're both going fake odd. But you know, I think he does deserve credit. Like Mark started out with, you know, for the turnaround for 100 Thieves. Mm-hmm. Yes, amazing is you know on camera and on, on a lot of their um, content of like really motivating people, and he's like a really big voice behind not just the in-game play but the you know mentality of the team as well mm-hmm. but i think that all the pieces that did change deserve credit for this crazy turnaround because 100 these went from like nobody even wanted to touch this bottom 10th no hope uh team <laughs> to you guys bought stock to right yeah. up to uh yeah i mean <laughs> me and azale actually both well, we knew yeah, <laughs> but, okay. okay
1: but the rest of the folks
0: um but th- but it's been actually a crazy turnaround yeah. so as much evidence for, you know, each individual part I think does, you know, deserve some credit. And and at the end of the day, you know, I'm not trying to argue that fake
1: God is is like, the best top laner in the league. We're arguing for rookie the split between two candidates, yeah. right? Yeah. So it, let's be clear here. You know, I'm not trying to make my case that, you know, he he is at the top of the league. I don't think he is. I just think that he is, you know, out of those two guys, to me, you know, maybe had a, a bit more of a commendable uh, performance. And, you know, we're also expecting Cloud9 to have Licorice coming back in. And I, and I think that, you know, if if Licorice comes back in this coming week and plays the rest of the games, it would also be really hard for me to vote for someone based on four games. Right? You know, for Rookie of the Split. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that's enough of a sample size where I would feel comfortable voting for them. Even if they had four pretty solid games, unless it was like, oh my God, you hard carry your team for four super important games and that's what got them to the playoffs mm. or something. Uh, it would just be really hard for me to vote for someone, you know, based off of uh, that sample size. I think if we voted right
0: now, I might, I think I would cast my vote for Kumo. Hmm. That's fair. So. I mean, I, th- I think it's they're both. Reasonable. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, super close. Yeah. yeah,
2: the only other one was is FBI a rookie because he played in Oceania. No, I, so I don't think so. Yeah. because he had
1: experience in another league. Yeah, yeah, it's really just and it's Scarlet, but like two games. Right. Uh, again, I don't, I don't think enough of a sample size. Yeah sweet uh all pro any any uh, considerations uh, there have you guys thought at all about like maybe what your your kind of like ideal team would look like then as far as all pro i mean Svenskeren, we're obviously assuming briksen perhaps we're assuming as well like is it just those two uh the tl bottom lane and then you know based on just mvp candidates you know normally people i think would have like snapped said Licorice. i don't know if they would as much now because Licorice, uh has been out i don't know if that really changes anything I think- for you guys
0: uh, I think there's some interesting ones. Like maybe we should go for ones outside of top three top four teams because Oof. that you want to try and put up there. Is it a little bit more interesting, or would you, okay. do you actually? Because I don't think we should go down, you know, every single I think oh, Impact we co- should be somewhere in the top yeah, three. Blah, you blah, know? blah. We don't, we don't have to. Uh, um, but I mean, there have been some, like, I, I guess these, these standouts that I kind of talked about when I was talking about MVPs. Mm-hmm. This is the area where I could actually put them on one of the bouts, right? Maybe yeah. MVP is too prestigious of an award, but if I'm looking at, you know, top three mid laners or something, Fro- Frog does or get very close in there for me. Um, you know th- those types of players.
1: Yeah, I think he's he's definitely w- worth a consideration. at there, I think it's it's always hard to sometimes knock the the guys down from the top, especially with mid lane when you're looking at Niski Jensen Bjergsen. Mm-hmm. I think that's who, who most people yeah. kind of snap look to. But I do think you know Crown Froggen perhaps can get some consideration depending on how last couple of weeks do uh, do go for their teams. If if they're the ones kind of like pulling them into playoffs, you know that certainly is worth some consideration. I also think concert. Uh, should should be getting mm-hmm. some consideration. He's actually been, you know, doing really well. I, I, I even think he may be performing better than Froggan. Like his his lane performances have been so consistent and so dominant. Honestly. Yeah, it was
0: just that Renekton game. I think uh, recently was the only. That was against TL. No. Who was that against? I'm trying to think.
2: I definitely remember. I don't know. Yeah, there was a game he got slammed on Renekton. Oh, uh, okay.
1: Either way, I mean, he has been—he's been very solid. Oh I know. Someone he, that... he did fine on Recton. Okay, we're thinking of someone else.
0: He, he ended—he ended it fine, but the early early lane phase was pretty rough. I okay, remember. maybe. Okay, but I think yeah, but I agree. Like, there's ol- only there's only yeah. been some. I think that Hunter has been super good. Yeah, uh, someone that is on a top
2: three team and will make the ballot is Nisky, But I do want to talk about how high he'll go, just because when I was doing the the tier list ranking for mid laners, I like as i was going through more and more stats i was like holy sh-. he's like in front on top of everything he's like highest kda yeah. most kills yeah. doesn't die that much has a ton of assists good laning stats he has the highest four percentage he's always playing super far forward he has high jungle proximity so they are playing around him a little bit as he's playing super aggressively mm-hmm. but i still think he plays the map pretty well so like while he is very aggressive in his own lane he also goes mm-hmm. other places I'm like, I don't really have anything bad to say about Niski, other than like, I feel like I see him make bad plays sometimes when he's going aggressive. Yeah. But that's kind of like that'd be like saying, "Oh, Caps makes bad plays sometimes." You know, like I'm not saying Niski is Caps. (laughs) I'm saying that play style though. The play style you have to expect the bad bad. with the good. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Please, people who will watch this, understand. I'm not saying Niski is Caps. Just that. Just name the the episode. Niski is Caps. Mark Z. Nisky
1: is literally better
2: than When Caps. you play aggressively, you have to accept <laughs> the good with the bad. Uh, so, like, those bad plays, I feel like maybe I'm tunneling too much on for why I'm not putting him first. I don't, I don't know. Do you, is there a world where
1: you guys ever put Nisky first for, for mid laners? I think it's worth considering. Um, I, I mean, I, I haven't dug into the stats as much as as you. I think from the eye test, he's been very good. Uh, I, I think that Bjergsen and Jensen feel more consistent to me. I don't yeah. know if the stats really support that. But, like, I feel like... Uh, when, when you're watching those players it, there's not as many times where you're looking at it and you're like "Ooh, that looked bad type of thing but but maybe that's maybe that's me just like you know, kind of catching those and having them stick in my head more than they should, you know if it, if his his performances are actually that consistent, you know, in support of the stats, like I think yeah. he's been really good. I definitely thought he would be top three for me, mm-hmm. but I hadn't put a ton of th- thought into into who would be my you know number one, number two, number three.
0: And both Golden glue and ablaze Olive, I think they said uh Bjergsen and Jensen were their two votes yep. um as they're like number one best mid laners in the league. As well from two guys that you know have practice against them. Yeah, yeah, and he also also backed up in a lot of games by the MVP
2: candidate in, yeah. in Svensson. I think it's it's interesting. He had one. He he was uh, a whole kill and assist higher than the next person. It was like one point nine, and he was like three point two or something for mm-hmm. for most kills and assists at fifteen. So he
1: was like slamming early games. So speaking of that, then I mean, if if Bjergsen is an MVP potential candidate. You know, and you're saying you know maybe some of these other guys are in the mix. Then you know, does does that mean that Jensen or or Niski or perhaps both should even be considered getting considered for that? I mean, this is where like my own argument starts to fall apart.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was worth like all these stats. I'm like, wow, it's so good. Got him. But then what you're saying about like you know if and Core JJ, who gets the votes? I'm like Sven. Sven gets my vote between Niski and, and and Sven. Um, and I feel like that's what would hurt him from a uh, MVP type discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and even even some of like the first team votes uh, potentially, whereas like Bjergsen has had junglers swapped around him. They've done a bunch of weird stuff with playstyles, and I feel like he has consistently put forward stellar performances. Sometimes he hasn't carried quite like he should. That Rumble game was atrocious, and it's you know literally a day ago, so we're all still thinking about that. Mm-hmm. But he's had insane TF games where he roams all the time and like hard carries his team. So mm-hmm.
0: he he still kind of feels like th- the favorite for me. I think one of the uh, most difficult ones is gonna be bottom lanes. Yeah, because after double lift and core JJ, I think that's like the super easy part. Um yeah. I, and in it, the top three, they're not as it, hot. It, yeah, it gets quite rough. And he, I know that there have even been some posts on like social media and stuff where like double lift is like answering on his stream, and like he's like, uh, I mean, there's like Sven and is he biofrost, kind of yeah, and he kind of wanders off, like he picks off. You know, maybe one support or one marksman from some team or whatever, and then he's just kind of like, eh.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, it's actually pretty hard when you think about it because I, I think Sneaky and Zazel haven't been great this yeah. uh, this year mm-hmm. as far as like like they they've they've had some good performances. It, it's been weird to me, and it's it's like when you play Sona Sona and that sort of thing, you're supposed to lose. But I've always felt like, and I'd have to dig into like actually comparing the stats to the average, but it always feels like they lose by a lot more. Than you're supposed to, or a lot more than I'm used to seeing uh, with some of the other lanes, and that has been a bit of a struggle. Um, you know, Zven and Smoothie have had some good games, but for the most part, it feels like they play fairly defensive, and and like they have a really strong team around them. So like, th- like there hasn't like it's not that those guys shouldn't be candidates for top three, but yeah, I definitely agree. It doesn't feel definitive. Yeah, I, I think I would want Biofrost in my top three supports. Yeah, I- I've liked him a lot. And double lift and core JJ are my clear number one. I think Biofrost has actually been super good. Yeah, Biofrost would probably be my number two. Core JJ, double lift are my number one. And then beyond that, I really would have to to spend some time actually thinking about it because it doesn't feel. What,
0: oh. what about sticks day as the other part of you know playing with Biofrost? I think that he's been d- really good. He's definitely him. improved a lot. Has he improved a lot to you know being for sure on your list as sure as Bio is? i think i think maybe not quite as sure but i think uh
1: you know both of them had a had a big bounce back because i thought they were actually pretty pretty bad in uh in spring like they were good Mm -hmm. last year and then they some for some reason really fell off and i thought they were landing pretty poorly uh, they have been playing well, and, and one of the things that also works in their favor, I think, is that a lot of the CLG win conditions feel like they're they're playing through them. When they beat Liquid, it was very much about like the Siege comp that they played with with Caitlyn Lux. Uh, the, you know, they slammed games with like Sever Yumi. They have played a number of different styles. They've been playing you know the, these kind of like mage pokey support things that have been fairly lane dominant. It hasn't always worked. Um, you know when they played their Zyra game as like Counter Sonoteric, I can't even remember who that was against but that against that went pretty TL. tragic that was against TL as well okay <quê-> so that was their other game then that they lost to them but um, overall I think Six A has been good he's certainly I think in the conversation for top three I, I think I think, uh, I, would have him, I think I would have him above like Sneaky for now
0: I do also I do have Sven in there um, but what about this what about Bang Huh? So he's been he's gotten a lot, gotten better. A lot better. He's yeah. playing way more aggressively. They have but positive you, stats.
1: Do you weigh the like you know? Are you weighing all the games equally, or are you saying are you doing like looking? So you got
0: to do bored. all of summer. This is the summer. So it's all of summer. Award, then I right? think
1: no. I think the the start uh-huh. was too bad. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. That's fair enough. Yeah. I, th- the, I think, I think it's, it's an interesting question. Though. I think it's close because they could very
2: easily make playoffs. They're one game out right now. A bunch of teams are struggling. They were so bad, though. Before they made <laughs> that swap, he was his, he was like averaging 1,000 gold down or he something. Was, he was terrible. But <laughs> and we're at a really weird point in the season where a number of things that were kind of assumed would hold are not. Like, Optic is slumping. Golden Guardians is slumping. And then you have FlyQuest and... Uh, you starting to climb up. So we're like we're right at that weird inflection point where you're like, you can start making these arguments, but you really don't have <laughs> a basis for it. Like if, if you can be two was it, three more weeks of good bang, like hard yeah. carrying and they climb into yeah. playoffs so and he's their primary fair, carry yeah. threat, it's like yeah. you probably should, but like yeah. right now it's, it's ridiculous. A big if, though. Yeah. <laughs> right now it feels ridiculous to say. And same with like Turtle. Like if, if they turn around, and you know, we all know Turtle's a good player, and if they turn it around and and he's one of the big carries in the next three weeks that gets uh-huh. them into playoffs, like he probably did more in that shorter window to get his team into playoffs than maybe someone like I don't know if Arrow stays around and, and somehow optic holds on their spot, you know, like you start it starts getting tough,
1: yeah, yeah, but yeah I, th- I think my my top three for ADs probably right now would be Doxa and Sven and then Biofrost, Corge, and I'm not really sure who my third would be for for support.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. What do you guys think? I think that's pretty I'm I'm pretty much on the same page. It's it's one of those ones where it's like all you go to through a test, you know, and sometimes you're like that question's tough. I'll get back to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's what this
0: <laughs> is. All right, let's move on to the playoff picture then. Cause we have some spicy results here. We still have to figure it out as far as the last couple of weeks. And I like that there's gonna be so much movement. Um, but do you feel like you've solidified more of your opinions or what the uh, playoff teams are going to be? <laughs> no. Mike, I just mentioned that whole like uh,
2: inflection thing. Yeah, I don't know. Cuz like Golden Guardians were supposed to lose to CLG and that would have tied them versus Hundred Thieves yeah. and Clutch. And then I would have been like, "Oh my god, they're slumping, they're going to get knocked out." But then they won that game. But then they didn't win it convincingly because Biofrost like turbo inted. And then
1: you're like, "Well, what did I learn?" And it, I don't know. I, I just don't know right now. Yeah, I mean, o- overall, though, it still feels like Golden Guardians and Optic are on a pretty heavy downswing. Yeah. And, and you know, and some of these teams are, are on a fairly big upswing. I think that, you know, despite the fact that, that TSM hasn't played, you know, as as well as I think they played in spring and CLG has, has, has a, little, a little bit more shaky recently, I still think that the top four are going to make playoffs, right? Like I think we're going to see Liquid, C9 and CLG TSM all in playoffs. I would be really surprised if any of those fall out. Mm-hmm. I do think that there's a pretty decent chance that Golden Guardians and OpTic do fall out. Uh, at least it's it's like, you know, those are the ones that that I could see happening, right? 100 Thieves has been playing a lot better. I think 100 Thieves has easily played better than both OpTic and Golden Guardians in the last couple of weeks. I think, you know, FlyQuest even, you know, and and Clutch, like those those teams are all I think fairly comparable. Um my feeling right now is the hundred thieves is gonna keep going up and and take one of those playoff spots, and then then it's gonna be kind of a battle probably between the you know the golden guardians like optic clutch and flyquest for the final spot.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting your point about you're feeling the golden guardians and optic are on a uh, you know kind of free fall right now. Yeah. Their schedules are more difficult than the other yeah. teams that you mentioned also because both golden oh, guardians boom, then. and optic have to play all of team liquid c nine. TSM, uh, and then Optic even also has to play CLG. So literally all of the top four teams, oh. and then they play each wow. other. So, I, so I Golden say... Guardians and Optic have to play each other.
2: I bought Optic stock for that reason because these games were supposed to be easy. It was it was clutch. Echo Fox, mm. uh, hundred thieves, and I think uh, maybe there's one So you're a poor man in this. Oh, market I am now. <laughs> I am broke. I am. Can't so live with me. I'm I'm, a, I'm applying for some some stamps or something. I don't know. You're applying for
1: stamps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, food stamps. I'm, yeah, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm broke. Well, in that case, then I mean, like I, I didn't even realize how bad the strength of schedule was. Looking for those two teams, like I'm willing to to bet then that both of those teams don't make playoffs. If it like I I it would I would have to actually look at the strength of schedule for the other teams that are are right behind them. But just based on that, like that is a brutal strength of schedule. Mm-hmm. They have not been playing well. I could easily see you know you losing to every one of those top teams uh down down the run and then it's you know 100 Thieves and Clutch and those and like even like FlyQuest only have to pick up a couple wins to actually catch up right like Clutch Clutch and 100 Thieves are only one game back uh so that's that's getting pretty dicey yep
0: i think uh even FlyQuest they are what a game back of 100 Thieves and Clutch yeah, yeah one so, game behind them so, two behind playoffs i mean as cl- Crazy as bad of a start as they had. I even have uh, you know, I can see a way where where they climb their way back into. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if uh Viper's playing well again, he gets some ribbon games every once in a while. Wild oh, there's been a lot Turtles, You know, uh he's he has the highest damage share, I think. Uh I definitely of any 80 carry. I don't know if it's I think it might also be any player in the league. So he's mm-hmm. definitely like doing a lot of the DPS work for FlyQuest. Um so yeah, I mean, even even they could try and make a run up. So it's definitely going to be super super scary for all these teams as we get to the last couple of weeks. Because until the last moment, there's so much movement that can happen.
1: Yeah, it is it is pretty crazy. So I want to So since we're talking about FlyQuest, I'm curious to hear your, your thoughts on on Santorin because I feel like he has been so absent this uh, this split. It feels like. Even the games where they're doing well, like it's rare to see him even pressuring lanes or ganking. Like he's picking the least and, and Eye on stuff, and he just AFK farms and like, what's the, what's the deal? I wonder how much of it is, is
2: champ pool related because last what there was a fair amount of Nocturne, and that is like the ideal Santorin champ. It feels like to me where you can farm to six and then like press R to go to lanes, and it's it's more streamlined, I think, than like. And then the game also, I think, got more aggressive. You know, there, there were other aggressive junglers like level two. There was a ton of them, but outside that, you know, I, I think with Sejuani's and Trundles, and it more being about like team fighting. But a lot but he's of, playing early I, junglers.
0: So yeah, for, I don't know. he's
1: playing Rek'Sai and Elise. So and
0: stuff. For me, it's not a champion thing because last split, like he was playing, like he had Lee Sin games and stuff where he was popping off and he was getting a lot of stuff actually done early. Yeah. Um. So. Um, I think, yeah, he's just playing uh, worse this split. It's, um, just, it's just weird to see such was,
1: a, a mar- like remarkable difference, right? Uh-huh. Like, in the in negative way. He was the only guy outside of the top three
0: to make all-pro. Yeah, right? he was so good he, uh, he was, in spring. And jungler, like I said, like, jungling is super volatile position mm-hmm. and depends on a lot of factors. But, yeah, it doesn't seem like he's had the same impact, especially in the early game, that he did in spring. Uh, so that's definitely a thing. I did check in on the Wild Turtle stat, by the way. The only two people ahead of him on damage share for teams are Saligo and Scarlet, which are substitute players, which are, uh, aren't are in <laughs> it anymore. one game sample sizes, so, baby. Uh, yeah. yeah o- other than that, uh... Scarlet Vladimir game. <laughs>
1: yeah, that, that's pretty interesting. I mean, it's it's definitely it's it's weird, like. I, I can always understand it more when it feels like people are pl- trying for the same things but it's not working out as well, like you're just not playing as well or, or you're not executing the same way. But it, it almost feels like a, a lack of confidence and maybe this is partially due to FlyQuest struggles and stuff, but when you're not even attempting the ganks and not even looking, it feels like not even really looking for them when you're picking these early game junglers. But, you know, that that, that is something that um, I think FlyQuest, for, for them to actually realistically get back to playoffs, so, you know, we kind of need to see Santorin picking it up too because while they do have maybe an easier schedule than than some of these teams, they still have CLG, C9, and TSM left in their final six games. Those are really hard. And then you still have, you know, you have Clutch and 100 Thieves who would be uh, opponents who are, who are above you in the standings and going for playoffs as well. So, you know, I do think FlyQuest would have to have like a major step up to be able to make that run, and it's, and it's a run that no one has ever made, I believe. Um, from where was it? Like two and seven, two and seven. Like, yeah. uh, no one had ever actually made it back to playoffs uh, before with that, because you've always needed at least eight wins, and we even had uh, Optic missed last split with nine wins. Yeah, I I don't think that
2: I I have pretty low hope for for FlyQuest because while they have picked up more wins and have looked better i mean i still don't know exactly what their win conditions are because like yes viper riven can just murder people sometimes and win you a game (laughs) but that's not like a play style for your team that's Uh like this one guy did something whereas like with with 100 thieves for example like i know now that they mostly play through bot lane and their top side's a weak side player and ryu roams and is very active on the map and and, like Uh they try and snowball like their bot lane a little bit like I don't know, like, what is FlyQuest? Like, what what are they to
0: you? What- I mean, this is that's an interesting setup right there because they're playing each other this weekend. How do you think that they would match up if they were directly across from each other? Because I would say FlyQuest have the option of trying to attack Faker on the top lane, uh, get Viper ahead, snowball him, you know, get split push pressure. And Wild Turtle and JJ have been good in two v two. So you would think that, but they but Viper don't mess.
1: actually the gank.
2: Viper has the lowest jungle proximity of any top laner. They don't play around him. They they give him Viper and they're or I mean they give Viper <laughs> Riven and then they're like you're amazing at Riven. You don't need our help. And then I don't know what they do. Like uh it's it's really weird that I don't like I would agree. Like Viper is your win condition. Mm-hmm. Give him the Kumo treatment, the Licorice treatment.
1: Pick him what he wants and play around him. To, but they don't do that. To me they're basically just a team fighting team. Because I don't actually think like I would. I would be really curious to see like jungle proximity for Santorin compared to other junglers. But I don't feel like he he's very active at all in the Mm -hmm. early game. So he's not playing heavily. It really feels like to any of the lanes. Um, But you know when when I look at some of their successful games recently, it feels like they all basically farm. And then they're like, all right, time to fight at the dragon. And they group and they try to act at the dragon. And, and if it works, it works, you know. And and they did that against Golden Guardians. And they were able to have, you know, this is this great package play from, from Pobalter, knocking the FBI into Santorin, and they kill him. And like, you know, that game to me seemed like a fly quest, like a prototypical fly quest win where it's like not too much happened. Then you grouped up and you team fought pretty well and you, you won the team fight and then not mm-hmm. too much happened again. Then you team fought again, you won that one too, and you got the Baron and then, okay. And and kind of feels like that's what they're doing because it it doesn't feel like they have like a super clear plan of, of like hardcore playing to one side of the map or you know picking a weak side of the map who's going to play defensive and super dominant in another lane like they generally just seem to go for fairly meta picks fairly you know vanilla stuff barring the the ribbons and and that type of stuff and, and play towards team fighting yeah. I think that's scary in a
2: league where a lot of people have stronger, like Clutch has a stronger identity, you know, like they play weird stuff that's really aggressive, and you know, like I just, I just don't feel like confident in, in that kind of win condition where it's like we just hope nothing happens, <laughs> you know, wow. like, and and to be also on that strength of schedule topic, like they don't have an easy road, like a lot of their wins were against Golden Guardians and Optic who are slumping and in an Echo Fox, and that was like your three game win streak that they had, mm-hmm. and now you played Team Liquid and you're gonna play a bunch of the other actually. You yeah, know, top PSM, four, teams. MC9, CLG. So, yeah. so their their strength of schedule is basically as hard as Golden Guardians or Optic. Um, maybe a little easier, but then you you have to get two games more than they get, which I, I feel is just a little bit too much. When Clutch is okay and Hundred Thieves is surging, and yeah, it just feels it feels like too
0: too much. <laughs> surging is definitely a meme now. But yeah, I, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I say everything is surging. It's yeah. like oh yeah, they uh, we're a Box on the one game surge. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> Uh, watch out for those power surges. All right, are you gonna? Would you both predict 100 thieves uh, in that matchup? Then, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I think I think they've been playing really well, and and the fact that they, you know, actually had had another pretty solid weekend after you know like, it could have just been a blip in the water if they, they did their 3-0 and then they lost to two good teams and they never won again. But uh-huh. they came back and they had another strong weekend. So I'm actually pretty bought into to the fact that they have made real improvement. Uh, and that they're, you know, a legitimate team. I don't think that they're a top-of-the-table team, but I think this is a team that could definitely make quarterfinals.
0: You're more excited for Clutch than for FlyQuest then? Because the back-to-back Kiana games for DeMonte, and his Kiana game in, in uh, second attempt was actually really good. Yeah. And I had some really good ultimates with it. Um, Seemed like he has a very strong hold on the champion already. Uh, and I kind of like that. I want teams that, especially that are at the bottom standings, to, like, keep reaching for new stuff and and get wins that way. I thought that was very admirable. Yeah, and I think they're the team to make the best use of any of these kind of
2: patches that introduce a lot of champions. Like, screw it, break out of Laowey, one of you guys. Like, you, you have Huni who wants to play aggressive. You have, uh, you know... They even got more. Cody's son on the... Yeah, Cody's getting uh, in on it.
0: Lucian uh, lane well, for he, an
2: aggro. And he also played Zed randomly <laughs> i don't want more of that but i like the uh, general <laughs> feel
0: wait of, you liked it but, but you don't want it. more of it i
2: like the idea of like cody's getting in on the experimentation and the fun <laughs> that specific one was a little i didn't like the Sonic game either
1: with the no upgrading support item at all all right you know what cody <laughs> stick to zaya
2: well, <laughs> you, know, like, you just say you he, he liked it, back. and now he, He's supposed to be the stable guy. They, they have this crazy top half of the map. Not everyone could be crazy Kobe. Yeah. But
0: he just said he liked it.
2: Yeah, I was lying to myself. He changed his mind. Uh, I thought more about it. Uh, he wanted to like it. Lucian is within the acceptable spectrum of, like... That's the crazy pick he's allowed. Yeah, he's allowed the Lucian. Maybe, like... A Kalista, if it ever looks good. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm fine with aggressive marksman yeah.
0: So Kalista has been getting picked uh, in LCK and some LPL even as well too. So maybe we get to see some. I think there's a lot of supports right now that pair really well with it. Yeah, um, definitely. Should uh, give Clutch uh, some tips. What about the CLG C9 game? Dun 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 this should be this should be pretty important um I, i'm
1: i'm really excited to see if, if licorice is going to yeah. be back right that that has been um i think you know on a lot of people's minds and uh, i think originally people were assuming oh licorice will be out for a week or something like that and then he'll be back um but he's he's taking a couple weeks off you know i think it's important to to take that time off uh for for your health if you need it i actually talked to, to jack this weekend and he said that he actually hurt his wrist rock climbing so so like it wasn't it wasn't computer related I guess or, I mean or that could weaken it and then maybe the rock climbing triggered it.
0: On the one hand, I think that's good to hear, like yeah. because a rock climbing wrist injury, I would think, would be less. uh um, not sure. Um, well, repeatable, or, less repeatable. Yeah. Well, because you just stop rock climbing.
2: R- RSI, right, repetitive strain injury, which, which is what Licorice was talking about in his post, mm. like. He, you, I've seen him for like the last year and a half or two have those like things on like all the time everywhere yeah. he goes so, like, so it's probably both yeah I don't yeah. think it's just rock climbing yeah it's probably yeah. both and, and so like I'm sure it's like well my wrist hurt well don't go rock climbing then dum-dum and then he went rock climbing and made it worse or something so like I understand where Jack's coming from a little bit it, it can
1: also be tough because it's one of those situations where you know like, I can see the point of view of Oh, okay like if it's sore maybe you should like strengthen your wrists or something you know you should work on work on that and, and like it, you know years ago when I had a lot of back pain one of the, they're like well you know go work out your back and and then that actually helped alleviate a lot of yeah, action sure. so I could see that that thought process um, but it was kind of an interesting conversation just talking to Jack because it was the whole idea of like you know, he, like he was saying, well, he already feels like he's fairly strict with the team as far as like what he allows them to do, you know. And he was like, ah, you know, I don't know if it's a good idea. Should I let them go rock climbing? But he didn't want to be too strict, you know. And, and it kind of brings you into this idea of like how strict is reasonable in the world where there's multi million dollar investments in these teams and multi million dollar sponsor deals associated with the success of your teams? You know, like, are we to the point now where it's like, nope. You can't go out. Nope, you can't go climbing. You're not allowed to go skiing. You're not allowed to go jump out of an airplane. You can't, you know, like, there's there's things where with professional athletes where they have all these different activities that they're essentially banned from. Even, like, off-season uh, sports or playing other sports they're often banned from and these types of things to, like, prevent injuries and protect the team's investment. Mm-hmm. Do you think we're, we're kind of, like, at that point now in,
0: uh, in eSports? I think it's interesting... Um... Because we also had this discussion when way back when Riv first started um, with his motorcycle, oh yeah, and we started to be like, "Uh, like how advise, How are we? How advisable? Like, are we gonna let the casters like do like dangerous activities like that?" Mm-hmm. Um, so I would I would err on the That's side of mode of, of transportation. <laughs> yeah, I would err on the side of like we're we're not quite to the super strict level yet, but.
2: I think uh, it can depend because, like, with the example of off-season stuff, like I know a lot of teams are not happy with like the NBA summer leagues, mm-hmm. or like, well, the NBA teams are not happy with those kind of pickup mm-hmm. summer games and league things that some of them do because they risk, like, oh, I just signed LeBron for billion million dollars a year, yeah. right? and then he blows his knee out dunking on someone in like a high school gym, and you're like, yeah. okay, thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I know that that was a situation when those summer leagues started picking up a lot that people weren't comfortable with, but it's out of season and technically you can't stop them but like once you're in season it's like you are really uh, stopped from doing anything that is dangerous on your body um, you know so like yeah you can go out and enjoy picnics or, and stuff like that like you know like, <laughs> sit in the park watch <laughs> of time, we're, so. not, we're not saying you can't do anything but you can't do this very large spectrum of things that's not okay so like yeah. you know I know that the, I'm pretty sure they're not supposed to go um <laughs> Oh, I forget what it was. There was there was an example I, I heard before that someone was for pro
1: sports from, or esports. For, for pro I, sports,
2: where it was a basketball player and they didn't want him to hurt his knee or his legs. So there was something like swimming is one that they're like, oh, always go swimming. Swimming is great. Swimming yeah. super encouraged for like if you want to work out and do something fun. But I've heard people being banned from golf, from doing other pickup sports. From yeah, your, like I've heard kind of a lot of stuff. other pickup sports you're banned from. There was a really specific one. I think someone like doing gymnastics. I think that's what it was. There was a there was a basketball player or something that liked doing gymnastics and he got banned from it because it was like we don't want you to like like, land and screw your ankle up or something.
0: I just like the image uh, in my head of LeBron and Shaq just sitting down at a picnic in the park (laughs) (laughs) on this, like, tiny little (laughs) picnic (laughs) blanket. (laughs) I'm like... Pulling some sandwiches out of a little picnic basket, flour. like, just, yeah. oh, yum, yum! <laughs> I'm having so much fun here
1: out at the picnic. It's the only activity remaining to them. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was volleyball. I remember
2: there was something that one of the players like enjoyed doing on the side, on like mm-hmm. when on his off days, and, and the, the the team made him stop doing it.
1: I mean, there's all kinds of <laughs> restrictions, and and not that maybe everyone adheres to them, but but things along the lines of also, you know, like curfews uh, are certainly a very real thing during during the the season and on road trips and mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff some teams try to restrict their players from drinking or doing any of these things like adhering to strict nutritional codes and you know all these sorts of things that it's like i don't think we're, we're at that level yet but it is interesting like if, if i'm playing if i'm paying double lift a million dollars a year and, and my team's success is completely dependent upon him you know at what point is is it reasonable for me to be like all right double lift you can't play any other games you know or like you your your wrists are like
0: you're money makers you're not allowed to do any of that other stuff i mean it it's it's something that is very real in a lot of things not just other sports Korean pop stars I know, like, they cannot drink. They cannot, you know, have boyfriends, even, or girlfriends. They cannot, you know, there are so many restrictions They have that
2: for their image. It's like, you're not allowed to date anyone, because then our millions of fans won't won't be interested in you.
0: Yeah, I mean, their reasoning is like, you don't have complete focus on on your work But yeah, we know what the the real reason is. But it's the same idea of, this person is such a valuable person, uh, and you have so much of an investment in this person, how much do you get to control of what that person can do? And it's not like direct control, but it's like, well, if you do these things, then I will no longer, you know, pay, you know, you won't be employed. And so then the pull becomes like, how many restrictions are someone like Licorice or Double F willing to accept before they say, fine, fire me. Another team will pick me up, and they will let me rock climb. they yeah. will let me go out. They will let me you know something like that, right? Licorice I, I, joins Echo Fox after ir- <laughs> irreconcilable differences over rock climbing and then i there's got to be so there's I know it's way more complicated with contracts and everything like yeah. that. But uh, those are the types of things that then start to come up, and then you're gonna have these lawyers going over the contracts at the beginning, like, ah, oh, no, no, Licorice doesn't sign it unless he gets three weeks out of the year of yeah. rock climbing time, or yeah,
1: totally. I mean, Jack, Jack even said like he feels like he, they have some a fair number of restrictions already, so he's already like you know try to take him out for nice dinners all the time and try to do all these nice things, you know, because <laughs> treat him right, exactly. Like he's you know because he's saying like I I know like we're we're pretty strict, so I try to make sure that they get to have a lot of fun too. T- right? Take them to We Spa. That's safe. Take take him to
2: relaxation things, like picnics and, picnics, and we spa. Yeah. You and,
0: keep coming back to picnics. I only though. came back once. You came back more than me, I think. Mark, you really like we should go on a picnic. I wanna go on a picnic with Mark. Can we Mark do and the dive like.
2: live in a picnic? It actually sounds <laughs> delightful. We'll get a bunch of like zoom audio. We're gonna things, need a lot of like, sunscreen
0: yeah. though, because we burn easily.
2: I went I went Yeah, 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 yeah you saw. <laughs>
0: Uh, anyways, that's a good summary of the CLG-C9 matchup, that's don't you true, think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do we even talk about the matchup? Azale <laughs> <laughs> started it, and then, that's how we got to Well, because I remembered I going to
1: talk about that story, and I was like, oh, yeah, C9.
0: Oh, yeah, Licorice. Oh, yeah, Jack. And then I, that's so what anyways, uh, what's going to happen is they're going to go out to a picnic. Yeah. <laughs> and then...
1: And then Licorice is going to see if he can convince CLG to go rock climbing and hurt their wrists.
0: Actually, it's funny because I know a lot of the other... um Well, actually, never mind. Darshan left. He was the main rock climber, I think, for CLG. I
2: think there's been a fair
0: amount of rock climbers. Honestly, though, let's actually look at the matchup then because this is literally our last thing to do. All right. I (laughs) It's the C9 CLG.
2: I think it'll depend a fair amount on if Licorice is in or not
0: um, because... Oh, he lost all his energy. He was so happy talking about picnics. <laughs> like, now he's oh. like, all right. Yeah. I think, I think Licorice could be there. Maybe you won't be there. Rune,
2: as much as he's been good, I'm not a big Rune fan. Like uh, in terms of how good I, I really think he is. I think he, as is. I know Azale is. We're on opposite sides <laughs> of that. Uh, I think he's fine. Don't get me wrong. I think he's an upgrade over Darshan and, and all that stuff. But I don't think I've seen the upswing in CLG come from him directly. Uh, whereas like Wiggly's playing a lot better and their bot lane's playing a lot better and you know they've figured out their their drafts better this split and I think all those things are true and and we also have uh, you know Rune coming in and, and doing better than Darshan, mm-hmm. rather than Rune being the first thing I want to talk about with CLG's upswing. So when you put in Licorice, who was kind of the hands down best top laner in the league prior to stepping out, if he comes back in and they're still playing around him and they can slam. Uh, Rune, I think that's enough to, to blow the game open, though I'm not as confident in Kumo's ability to, to blow the game open through topside. And I think the rest of CLG
0: matches up r- pretty well versus versus uh, C9. Yeah, and I would say even the bottom lane would be... I would give the favor to CLG uh, yeah. with how they've been playing recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that it might be this shift in the map where CLG, bottom side, C9, top side, maybe. Um, and I would also give... Probably given the recent performances, Cloud9 advantage in mid lane. Um, Power of Evil hasn't really been the same. Um, you know, at least early game. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of control there. He still does, you know, scale on, you know, decently on, you know, whatever he's playing. And it might be a better meta for him with the Azir Corky, but they first. Our blue side banned Azir and Corki, which seems so crazy to me because I was like, "Well, that those, those, seem like like, those seem like very good, you know, Power of Evil style, you know, high damage later, scaling up." So um, that that made was a little bit curious to me, um, and I, I think mean, that, that was the LeBlanc game,
1: right? Yeah, he was just yeah, really and they, they really wanted LeBlanc. to because he did have a great early game. They just kind of threw the game. Yeah. Well, it was
0: back and forth. Because, yeah, actually, yeah. they threw it super hard. So like he, he had it like was a hard that on his
1: mage
2: eyes. He was like, he was yeah, popping but, off. but he was actually down twenty CS and had. He was like one and one. I think mm-hmm. he died once uh, to a gank and then roamed one. I thought once he was deathless
1: until really late in the
2: game. But no, no. On. He he was six and one oh, and, okay, and then okay. he died and lost his stack like much, much later. He played yeah. a great mid game but his mm-hmm. early game he actually lost laning phase pretty hard and then came back and then Biofrost threw a super mm-hmm. big throw. But... I think that's kind of always the, been the player. He's never had good laning stats, like, ever. And he's always had insane, like, DPM and, you know, kill participation kills and stuff. He's just never been a lane-dominant player. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if if he can just kind of sit back and absorb Nisky a little bit, and hopefully Wiggly can hand, stand up to Sven or you know, blabber whoever's in, then I, I do feel like a lot of it will come down to that top lane.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, to me, the, to me, the thing is like for CLG, I really think it's as much as about their individual laning and stuff as it is about their their game plan. Because I think a lot of their wins have actually been through really intelligent drafts and mm-hmm. game plans where, you know, they have a very clear win condition and they've like established a way to siege, you know, the the, the Caitlyn Lux with Victor mid and they drop Gravity Field one side and the Luxie on the other side and they have traps across and they couldn't engage and like these sorts of things, I think, are often how they win the game. Um, I, th- I think if the only way you guys see C9 beating them is like by blowing up top lane, I think that's fairly hard because Ruin to me is, is like so flexible because he, he is, is able to play so many different champions, mm-hmm. right? He has like nine, ten different unique picks, something like that. Uh, you know, he, he is not amazing, but I think that he has filled the role that people <laughs> already a- always felt like they wanted from Darshan, but Darshan didn't actually feel yeah. as well, right? Like he he is the top laner that. I think is is super flexible and and doesn't need a lot of help and can like not lose you the game. I know Azale's type.
0: What? The top laners that don't want any help don't Thank get any God. help. Ruin. You he got this well, whole Game like God back. thing. Like, I love all. Of I, I want I the actually, downtrodden top laners. <laughs> I, I, I want them to my just type, take my, the type. My type is actually
1: the shy yeah. <laughs> who
0: doesn't get any help it's and just a...
1: wins the game every game. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, but the key but... is you don't want to give shit to your top laners. <laughs> no, I, I... Turn it into gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I
1: mean, I just think that that's true of every every position, right? And I think yeah. that these are this is a guy who who personifies that pretty well uh-huh. in, in the league. And I think that's you know one of the big reasons for success. Like Darshan, I think had good moments, but Darshan often was also like. There was lots of games where you could point to and be like, well, that's why you lost the game. Darshan Mm -hmm. did some shit where where they lost you the game. It doesn't really feel like I've I've noticed a lot of that with Ruin. I feel like he's he's fairly consistent. And I think that is super valuable, especially when, yes, it is maybe some top lane bias, but like talking to a lot of, of top laners in the league, very few people think that they can actually convert top lane leads into victories these days. And I feel that I have seen that on the LCS stage a lot, Almost every game where it feels like one team has top side lead, the other team has bot side lead. Wonder who's gonna win. Well, it's the team with the bot side lead. Every single time, um, it feels like that is the case at least in NA, and I think that you know that can certainly be attacked as as like, well, you guys just aren't good at closing out the game, or don't know how to split push, or whatever, and that I think that's fair. But at least in North America, that seems to be proving to be true that topside leads are are rarely like converting into wins compared to to bot lane uh, leads. So I think that in this meta, like. I would rather have the guy who's gonna AFK and go go like even in every lane top and have the really good bot lane.
0: And I don't think Rune has even AFK and gone even in lanes course, or whatever and been the one that. like on the receiving end. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think there are a lot of games where Rune made, uh, you know, individual strong plays to gain advantages for the team. Mm-hmm. Right? It hasn't just been like ah oh, weak side. Yeah, I don't think the
2: the idea is that. He is this. I don't think he's like fake god, you know, where it's like he's weak side all the time and kind of falling yeah. behind. Like he gets help sometimes. They gank for him. They, they do a lot of stuff.
0: What about the Spellbinder? First on uh, Keenan in the last game that they had, he didn't. didn't he get Gunblade? Yeah, second, whatever.
1: Before Zonia's so a lot a lot of players are actually delaying Zonias on Kennen uh, uh-huh. pretty late. Cause a lot of players not for spellbinder, but usually Morello's is coming in second or or something along those lines or even Deathcap before zonias. Yeah. I personally don't like it. I don't think it's worth the trade-offs because I am seeing too many teamfights. And this is something I've seen across the world where uh, people skip their zonias and then they run in, and sweet, you have more damage, but you die before you get your full ultimate off. And and like an ultimate, yes, it is tons of damage, but it's also a zoning tool. And and being able to zone out of that, they can't just like then run through you, mm-hmm. right? So it's like you're creating so much space in the fight that I almost
0: always feel like zonias second is right. But I mean, yeah, my take on it was I really. If you're gonna go that route, you have to have very good coordination with your team. You cannot have a missed yeah. timing on your engage. Like you're basically taking out all of the margin for error. Like I, I can see it being super good, right? And you know you have that scrim game where you, you get the engage and boom, Kennen is in there with the spell binder popped and the gunblade popping off. He just melts everyone. You're like, oh my god. Why would I ever go Zonia's? I could just kill them all, right? Mm-hmm. But then you're removing so much of the margin for error like, oh, you were a half second off on someone else's positioning or someone CC'd you before you yeah. got the flash in the middle. Or you were waiting in the brush and all the other team came there and the, the rest of your team was not there, so you get annihilated in I feel 0.5 like 5 seconds.
2: I I agree for the most part like I'm a huge fan of Zonia's, but in certain situations where like he got a fair amount of help in that game and they, they kind of blew his lane open with the LeBlanc and some roams I believe so he's in a side lane versus Aatrox and he kind of I think it was like the I want to actually become like a big threat on my own yeah, yeah. not just like be the, then, the then I'm two. saying
0: you have to be ha- you have to have yeah. that good timing with your team then you have to execute it just yeah. puts more pressure on
2: right I, I agree but then like the way that game broke out is like well then they just like they're kind of they want to split the map they want a one three, one then they group up a little bit too much and his TP comes in late and Biofrost is already dead and then the enemy team has Baron and then you're just five-man defending Baron the rest yeah. of the game. It makes it look terrible. Whereas like, mm-hmm. if they just didn't throw that one fight with Biofrost and they're just splitting and this Kennen is more annoying because Sonya does nothing in a split push situation, for the most part, unless like you're trying to one v two, or I'm not. I'm not
1: like super. I don't know, super agree with that. Like Zonia is when you're going up against Renekton, uh, or it was so it was actually Aatrox. Right, Aatrox and Leeson. Right, when it's when the two people that are going to come to you are physical damage. Like mm-hmm. I actually feel like it's just really strong. I agree, but you're already you've already won.
2: Like they blew that game open through topside. Like they were seven point eight k gold ahead. They were slamming. Uh, it was a lot of the gold was on the LeBlanc, but I think the Kenon at that point in the game was also very strong. Um, and I, I can appreciate wanting to f- force the one... Because th- that was their win condition was one through one. It wasn't group up and team fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can appreciate not going for the item that makes your team fight better to, to try and achieve this other win condition more. and But, I mean, it's all kind of speculation because it wasn't like, oh, they grouped up and he started dying in team fights too
1: quickly. It was like... Yeah, uh, of course, of yeah. course. I mean, it, it's a minor point. It's just yeah. in general, I, I, like... It's not that these other builds are horrible or anything. I just am a big fan of of, of Hourglass. Or at the very least, if you're going to delay Hourglass the third, I like when people buy an early stopwatch, right? And there's so many yeah. games where people do neither, and they have their their Morellos and, and their Gunblade or whatever, and they don't even have a stopwatch, and you go into a fight and you die, and it's like, ugh, it's just not worth the cost. It's just so valuable, I think, to have that just for the potential uh, in a team fight that, that can decide a game a lot of times. Like Those two-item mid-game team fights can mean barren, right? So I just think it's worth the investment to at least have a stopwatch.
0: All right, you ready for some Twitter questions then? Tweet. Uh, I actually sent out a tweet this morning right when we were about to start this because it is a Monday episode, and I got one I did really like from G 13 If you could send three teams to Worlds from North America excluding TSM, C9, and Team Liquid, which teams would they be? Well, CLG's in there. Yeah. (laughs) CLG's in there. Uh, I guess it's
1: CLG are 100 other teams Thieves. In the if world... we're saying we think that Hundred Thieves is gonna is gonna be top six and Golden Guardians operate are going down. I'd almost say like CLG Hundred Thieves and then who's our who's our third? I don't know. So, unless you guys disagree with those two. Are other regions in the world doing this too? Or are they going up against IG? I mean, does not matter, right?
2: It, like, you're sending you know,
0: them to worlds, all right?
2: Because <laughs> part of you would almost want to say like team like clutch. All right, there you go.
0: I mean, I, I just, don't think we have to all agree, because well, my yeah, my, thing, my
2: reason is just like okay, CLG is pick just,
0: up the new champion, and they're gonna win some games.
2: Yeah, they'll be fun. They'll be interesting. Because yeah. if we're just gonna get slammed, I'm like, I don't want to send
1: okay, Golden every team Guardians. In the world is sending.
2: Yeah, like if I like, I, w- I would send CLG because they're our best bet. Maybe hundred thieves because they're doing better. But then at that point, like, so you're just
0: skipping right over Golden Guardians and Optic. Well, right, because I I don't think think they're just
2: I think they're they're on a losing streak. I think they I think they're kind of boom, and I don't think they bring anything unique to a world stage. Like I don't think when you go up against the best teams in the world, that playing a style that. Is pretty standard and
1: not we're even looking for budget Cloud Nines here, Kobe. Yeah, we're looking for budget Cloud Nines. We're looking for
2: misfits like these teams that can't play standard and win. <laughs> what about Viper then? Send Viper's ass there. Put that
0: ribbon on them. Put him on another stage. team. Then do it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just don't think if 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 a, if a normal play style is getting you 500 record in NA, it's not gonna do it at Worlds. <laughs> I want something fun and interesting. and can maybe Kiana some asses.
1: Fair. <laughs> Fair enough. Is that true? Even if uh, you know this is the world where Riot is like, all right, you top three teams that they qualify for worlds. Just kidding. Four, five, six goes <laughs> voted by casters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, so G two and all them aren't there. right? Yeah. That, yeah then yeah.
2: maybe I'd be more interested in the Golden Guardians in okay. that situation, just because I think they're probably better than Clutch. Okay. I can all agree right. with that three. What about you, Kobe?
1: I mix one. up. Uh, I mean. You sending your boy
0: Viper? I want to <laughs> make the but call, I, Kobe. It's I up also, to you. I also still want to send optic. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like uh, optics as boom. Maybe because I don't know if I was just optimistic, but I. I know, but I've looking at those games. I was like, man, those look like some easy solves. I feel like the optic can get back to there. They're playing completely different than how they were winning. I know. There's, there's no more Poppy. Their they're bot lane's
2: losing. They're not they're, splitting. They're not splitting with Crown. Like, Medios is actually ganking top. Don't. No, 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 no. He was on Poppy and on an it, island. But
0: exactly. I'm looking at those games. I'm like, well, that was what they were doing before when they were losing. Then they changed to have, you know, Crown split pushing, and they won a bunch of games. like like do that again. Make the same correction. I feel like Medios and, and Crown. All right. So you're
1: sending Optic, and you're becoming the coach.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's sending yeah, yeah, optic
1: yeah. fly quest and what's your third
0: CLG. CLG <laughs> alright sweet yeah. <laughs> alright next one sure two goofs one gaff uh, pretty good name there. Um, at Freak, Kobe and Azale. Sorry, Mark. You know, this was from last week, I guess. Well, let's go find Freak. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is transitioning scrim results to this stage a problem for every region or just North America? Do other regions do something to help with this? What do you think would help North America with this? I don't think it's personally a North American problem. Uh, I have heard a lot of players from uh, multiple regions that's on stage. It's usually one of the most common answers. is like, ah, dang, we're doing so well in scrims. Do we just need to translate that to stage performances? And to me, maybe this is like a deeper-seated problem, which I have felt maybe a more affects North American teams is that in scrims, they try to win the scrim a lot of times when we go to international play rather than uh, maybe more of the other region seems try and you know just test something or learn something from that scrim without focusing so much on. We are winning all of our scrims. We feel so good. Um, so it's definitely very murky water there, I
2: think. The one I would I would largely agree, the one exception I can think of is like that TSM 2016-2017 era when they were representing us at all international events and everyone would say that they're pretty good and you would you'd hear good things about their scrims, they just would never translate. Mm-hmm. And every time you watch that team play, they felt like almost like, you know, terrified to play the game and they would just be so passive and and so reserved. And I think maybe that was the one example where it's like it feels like the pressure of the moment is getting to this team. Um but other than that, yeah, I think, I think every team feels like they play better in scrims than they do on stage.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, go, kind of going along your line about maybe playing sometimes too much to win scrims. I don't know if this is just a North American thing, but I talked to Grabs um, yeah. after Riff Rivals. And, and uh, it like, doesn't really matter what team he was talking about, but he was talking about scrimming a team. And he was saying that they set up the scrim block with them. Uh, you know, And the other team literally played the same five champions in every single game of the whole scrim block. And you know, and he, he to him, he just thought that was absolutely a waste of time. He's like, "What are you even doing, right?" And he said, when they got to like the third game, they locked in the exact same thing for the third time. He said he was actually pissed because it was like this yeah. idea that you're just wasting our time. Like we're 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 supposed to be learning here and experimenting and trying things and figuring out what's the best and blah blah blah. And like that's how he saw it. Um, so I do think at least you know for that one team, uh, that is an example of like, hey, you know, you had an opportunity to play against the MSI champions here maybe try some stuff, see if it works, right? Yeah, I think a lot of people get into this mindset where, and I can I can understand it, where it's like, well, we
2: want to work on our uh, shot calling or our objective control, and we don't want to mess around with picks right now. We're trying to work on a different part of our game because there's not just the pick-ban phase. And then sometimes that probably locks people too much into like, we're playing G2, they'll punish all our mistakes, so let's play our normal stuff and see what they punish kind of thing. And then you don't try any new champions and... Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that, that can happen pretty easily for teams where you get locked into that mindset of trying to
1: improve this one thing and ignoring pick band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely the case. I think that's going to do it for this episode of The Dive. Next week, we will be back with the usual Wednesday afternoon because these guys won't be doing Twitch Rivals next week. So uh, until then, we will see you guys next week and be sure to tune in for LCS Week 7. It's going to be a good one. We got some big matches coming up. I will not be there. I'm going on vacation. Peace out. (laughs)